Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. The scripture that says that all my life I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I believe today maybe there's some people in the room who are feeling a little forsaken. I got a, I got a message today the Lord's given me uh, that I believe is for our church in this season. But before we get there and before we talk a little bit about our next steps here with our facility... I just want to just pray. I feel like there's some people in the room who are feeling a little bit, uh, just keep getting that word forsaken. And a little bit uh, desperate. Feeling a little bit, uh, I think the phrase I keep saying is, end of, the, end of my rope. I don't know where else to turn. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say. And you're here today and maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've never been in this atmosphere before. Maybe you have and you're, you feel like you're here today and you like don't deserve to be in the presence of God. Well, I want to know you today. None of us do. <laughs> But God is so faithful and he's so good. I want to pray for you today. If you're in the room, just come on, every eye closed for a moment. I just want to encourage you today. It's, it's an act of faith. It's like, you know what? I want you to pray for me. And that's you today. You say, Ryan, I'm just in a season right now where I just need a little bit of prayer. I'm not going to call you for to call you out. But I just want to pray for you. Would you just put your hands in the air real quick just so I can see you. See how I can pray for today. Okay, people all across the room. Father, we just pray. You are an ever-present God. You are a help in our time of need. You're not an angry God. You're not mad at us. You love us unconditionally. So, Father, I pray for every person online in the room with their hand lifted right now. Maybe those who didn't lift their hand. They're feeling a bit desperate. They're feeling a bit lost. They're feeling a bit confused and broken. I pray today, God, that you would be with them in their need, in their time right now. Holy Spirit, would you come even right now and infiltrate their mind? I speak against the lies of the evil one. I speak against fear right now. I speak against doubt right now. I speak against discouragement right now in the name of Jesus. We declare, God, that you have plans for us that are good. Lord, not to harm us, but to prosper us. Lord, that you want to bless us and you want to pour your favor out upon your children. So, Lord, we receive that today. We say, yes, God. Your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And we take a hold of those things today and say, Lord, we contend for them and we believe for them. And Lord, I pray you would meet every single need in this place. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, come on, everybody said, amen. Come on, you can be seated today. Come on, come on. Thanks for being here, middle of the summer. Glad you guys are in church today. For those watching online, we had a bit of an audio problem in the beginning, but we're glad you're with us now. Apologize about that, uh, but we're glad you're here. Joel, our very resident uh, department leader, went to, came to church today but end up having to go to work. So Joel, thank you for helping us out with that. He's like, Ryan, I didn't get to take communion. I said, oh, you better go take communion. Thank you, Andreas, for... That's very, 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 very much of a golf clap, Joel. They didn't receive you like I thought they would. I'm sorry. Um, so I just want to quickly give you an update on what's going on. I just want to, I made a promise to you I'd be upfront and honest about this journey that we are in. For those of you who don't know, and those of you who are visiting today, I'm sorry, just a couple of moments of church, uh, church uh, family talk for a minute. So uh, we got a notification last week that we have been evicted from this location. And I use the word evicted because it absolutely was an eviction. We got, we, got a, we got a letter saying, hey, it's been fun, but we need you to take your stuff and be out by August 28th. And you say, why? Well, uh, it doesn't really matter. There's just another entity coming in, going to use this space, and we're going to pray God blesses them in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And so in this next season, uh, we got four weeks left in this building. And we have no idea where we're going on September 4th. Right now, we have a building in sight that we're looking at. 9,000 square foot uh, space. It's beautiful. Uh, some of our leaders have seen it already. It's an absolutely gorgeous place. Um, it's within our budget. We can afford it. Um, it's in a different part of the city for sure. It's more uh, on Southland Drive and McLeod. And right now, as of right now, we visited it. We like it. We want to proceed with it. But we just need to have a meeting with the landlord. So church, if you're going to pray for one thing today and this week, we need to pray for Sydney. Come on, everyone say your name. First and foremost, we want her to find salvation. We, I don't know, something like, I just believe God. She's going to be like have an encounter with God or something. Uh, secondly, we need her to, uh, to give us some, 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 uh, some access. We need her to give us some, some uh, access to her, and we need to sign a, a, a lease. Amen? So that's where we're at right now. Uh, I don't have much more for you. We have some other options that might happen where we might have to go into a hotel for a couple of months. Or I've had multiple churches reach out to me and say, hey, you can come in the afternoon or the evening, but I believe God wants us to be in, in the morning, on Sunday morning. Uh, I didn't plan this. I'm the sermon that God gave me from the life of Elijah is just so God that he gave me this message today that I'm just on this topic when I'm talking to you when this happens, the Lord's in it. So you're going to learn some stuff today. But I just want to uh, put up some slides here to kind of give you an idea of kind of what we need to be praying for in this next step. So obviously I said prayer. Well, we want to pray uh, for landlord and, and uh, Sydney. That um, it doesn't make sense. We need to meet. Oh, we need to meet with the landlord as soon as possible. So I want you to pray. Church, will you agree to pray with me for the next 24 hours? That tomorrow we're going to hear back from the landlord and we're going to have um, uh, an understanding of what could happen next. I also want to pray for, there's a few things we need to pray for. Our parking, we need, it's a limited parking place and um, it's a, a God, we need a miracle in our area of parking because those a lot of the spots would belong to us but the other businesses don't know that yet praise god and so parking cost per square foot we need the cost per, per square foot our monthly lease to be lower uh, or where it is now so that we can afford it as a church because we believe that this facility is not our next it's, it's just it's a temporary season we believe god's called us into it for the next three to five years potentially but we do believe god's called us to in the future get a permanent facility in the southeast uh, external fixes we're going to need to paint it and internal updates just a bunch of paint praise god we need paint the building's moving ready it's going to be beautiful um also uh next steps financial investment i've never i wouldn't take offerings from you but there are some things that we put in front of you we're going to need some we're going to buy ten thousand dollars worth of paint oh my gosh this building needs paint praise god we're going to need some tech because there is none in there we're going to move ours over there but we need some more lighting and some more things like that and sound we have to do some new flooring. We have to buy new chairs. So we have this money in our budget already. But I believe the Lord's been speaking to my heart about just asking the church to say, you know what, Ryan, I'll pay for those chairs or I'll pay for one chair. or You know, I'll pay for some of that paint. Yeah, we've got the money to do it. But I think church, we need to make a financial investment. So I'm going to leave that between you and the Holy Spirit. Pray, maybe God will speak to you in some of these areas. Come on, your time and your talents. We are going to help the existing church in there. Lighthouse Church needs to move out and we're going to help them. They only have two able-bodied uh, people in their church. Church about 25, 30 people. And I've said, Pastor Sam, we are going to help you. And so church, we might uh, need to go in there and help them move stuff and get stuff out of there and sell stuff. And so we want to help them. And they're going to move out by September 1st. We also need to pray for, um, as we move out of this facility, we have to be out of here by uh, the uh, 28th. So what we're going to do is we have a church barbecue scheduled for August 27th. At that church barbecue, we're going to have water baptisms. We're going to have baby dedications. We're going to have an acoustic worship at the lake. 
And then on that Sunday, August 20th on Sunday, we will not have church like you see it like this. It'll be the community chipping in and moving everything out of this building and moving into our new building. Amen? Are you okay with that? And so that day, we're going to show up here. We'll have breakfast together. And then we're going to work to get everything out of here in our storage room to our new location, God willing, to our new location. And we're going to move in there. And then we're going to start having church in that location, God willing, you know, James chapter, uh, you know, 2. And then lastly here, um, we're going to start our updates. We're going to do painting and stuff from September 1st, September 13th. As a church, we're going to all hands on deck. Come in and let's work together for, the, uh, for two weeks to make our church beautiful and, and uh, get the outside ready to go. Amen. And so I want to pray. I'll make sure I got everything here in my little notes. Uh, I just want you to remember something. That's what it says. God wants to bring glory to his name and fame to his name through this transition. He will use our church in this moment to show those watching that he is truly God. This is a season of trusting in the Lord. We must simply be still and trust that the Lord is going to work on our behalf. And I'll say this and then you can go ahead and bring out that um, pulpit. And I want to say thank you guys. Uh, God's going to do a miracle. You hear me? <laughs> I need to hear you because amen means let, like, let it be so. God is going to do a miracle. Uh, I want you to prepare for it. He's going to do a miracle. He's going to change hearts. He's going to open doors. And in this next season, God is going to move in our church. He's going to add people to our church. There's going to be a move of his spirit in our church. I want you to mark my words. I make you a promise. <laughs> that if we continue to keep Jesus centered, this next season is not going to be a down season for us. It's going to be an up season for us from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lana. It's going to be a great season, and we can't wait to see what God does, and uh, we'll keep you posted on that. So be praying for us. We've got four weeks left in this building. It's going to be great. All right, well, let's get into the Word today. Um, I actually have uh, three sermons written for today. <laughs> um, I did, and so the Lord just said, okay, push those two out to the end of the summer right before we move. I'm going to do a message called Preparing to Go In. We're going to talk about going into the promised land, and God gave me a, a real thought for that. But man, as I was looking at our text today, it's just so, God is so funny. He just uh, really revealed some things to me in scripture. And what I want to talk to you today is three lessons on, uh, three lessons on closed doors. Uh, what God's trying to teach us when a door closes. Uh, last Wednesday for us in our church, the door closed at Cardell, and uh, it just shut, like out of nowhere, just shut. We did nothing wrong. There wasn't any issue as far as we know. The door just shut. And I, I, I believe one of the greatest challenges to being followers of Jesus Christ is when a door shuts in our life, when something stops, when something quits, when, when something we thought was God is no longer happening. It's one of the most challenging seasons as followers of God when we say, God, a door shut, what now? What do you want me to do now, God? And it's one of the hardest, hardest seasons we face um, as followers of Jesus Christ. And so I want to just get into it today and really help you understand some things from Elijah's life and pertinent to our season, but also be very pertinent to your season as well. Elijah, just a little recap, just so you kind of know where we've been. Andrew did a great job last week. Let's give him a hand. I said later, Andrew, you were so serious when you started. He's like, well, you stood up and asked if I was nervous in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, I'm nervous, you know. Uh, but it was a, such a great word, and uh, we really enjoyed it. And it was just, you know, people gave their hearts to the Lord last week, and it was just super cool. So, um, so Elijah. Remember, Elijah and this story is the extraordinary. Remember, Elijah is a man or a person rather just like us. He's, just, he's an ordinary human just like you and just like me. 
There's nothing special about Elijah. There's nothing that makes him better than anybody else. There was nothing about Elijah's life that God said, you're my favorite or you're better. Or There was nothing special about Elijah. He was a man or a person, a human, just like us. He was regular, just like you and me from a small town up in the, uh, up, up in the region of Timnah. And he was up there and he came from a really small town and he, he kind of, you know, dressed kind of awkwardly and he was a normal guy and he just was a small town fella and he just, you know, he wasn't anything really special. He wasn't famous and he didn't come from royalty. He didn't come from money. He didn't come from any of these things. And we see that Elijah was just a regular old guy, just like us. And we find, pick up in First Kings chapter 17, we don't really see Elijah at all in scripture until all of a sudden he's on the scene. And we know that there was some sort of history of Elijah being a bit of a troublemaker because that's what Ahab later calls him. You are a troublemaker. Uh, you're causing problems in, in my life. And so Elijah has kind of a history uh, of kind of being this troublemaker. And he walks up to a King Ahab, looks him in the eyes and says to him, hey, I want you to know that there's going to be no rain and no dew for three years at my word. Now, Ahab was a guy who was a king of Israel. He was a follower of God. Uh, he believed in God, but he chose to follow the ways of Baal. And so he turned his heart away from God to go towards Baal. And so now here's this Ahab. The Bible says he was the most wicked king that ever uh, was in kingship over Israel. 19 consecutive evil kings. He was the most evil and threw, threw the people of God into the most Baal uh, and idolatrous worship of any other king. And so Elijah was ticked, obviously on mission by God. Looked him in the eyes and said, there's going to be no rain and no dew. Which is basically him saying, hey, I'm going to shut down the, God's going to shut down the entire economy. Everything's going to be brutal. There's going to be no food. There's going to be no water. Things are going to be really challenging. It's going to be difficult. And God's going to show you that he is the God of the rain. He is the God of the weather. That he is the one true God. That your Baal God is nothing but a wooden idol. It's nothing. There is no other living God except my God. And I'm going to prove it to you that at my word, there'll be no dew and no rain for three years. And then he says, at my word, it'll come back. And then the scripture says very clearly that Elijah instantly went to, the Lord spoke to him and told him to go to the east, hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. And it says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook or the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and he drank from the brook. And so here's a season where Elijah, we talked about a couple weeks ago, in a preparatory season, God takes him into a place of hiding. He's away from people. He's away from the public square. He's away from being in the middle of, of human eyes. And he's in a season, a secret place season. A lonely season, a season where he's alone with God, a season where God is preparing him, a season where God is speaking to him. And he says, I'm going to take you into the season and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to, I'm going to minister to you, but I'm also going to prepare you. I'm going to cut some stuff out of your life. I'm going to cut some attitudes out of your heart. I'm going to change your perspective on who I am. I need to prepare you for what is about to come because in order for me to do extraordinary things through your life, God has to do extraordinary things in your life. And so he took him into this preparatory season. And God began to provide for his needs. It's crazy. A bird, a black raven, fed Elijah bread and meat. Come on, it was gluten-free and it was, it was near meat. Okay, for all of you or whatever it is. For all of you non-bread-eating, non-meat-eating people. That's a false interpretation. 
birds bought this guy food. Every morning and every night. And this brook that was dried up from the drought would bubble forth and would give him water. And he was in a great season. Elijah's in this season where, man, I, I didn't really think that I ended up making camp next to this brook, brook of Kareth. I mean, it's near my hometown. And, but, man, God's providing for me. I eat, I eat decent and the water's coming. And everyone, everyone else around me is in drought. Everyone else around me is, is in famine. And yet here I am in this really beautiful season of blessing, in this really beautiful season of God's provision, in this beautiful season where everything is so supernatural that when my stomach gurgles, a bird comes and drops a hamburger on my plate. Like, like what an amazing season where, man, God is working in me and God is changing me and God is speaking to me. And he's, you know, have you ever been in those moments with God where, where you're just God, you're seeing God's hand in everything and you just know in it, he's working in you and he's, he's changing you and the attitudes you used to have are going away and the perspectives you used to have are being cut out and you just feel like God's just doing a miraculous work in your life. Oh, it's a sweet season. It's a season of trust, yeah? It's a season where I'm learning to surrender, yeah? I'm learning to be obedient, yeah? Those things are hard, but I'm telling you, those are sweet moments when I'm like, man, I am trusted in the Lord and God is good, and look at his blessings around me. Oh, here comes the birds. Hallelujah, I'm hungry again. And oh, look at the water bubbling forth. And I, everywhere I look, it feels like everyone else is facing difficulty or hardship, but for some reason, I'm in the very season of blessing in my life. God is ministering to him and using him, and then this is when the story starts to break down. Here's Elijah in a place that God sent him to. God led him to that place. God provided for him in that place. And at this point, we don't see God speaking to Elijah, not giving him any direction. He's just experiencing deep communion and intimacy with the Lord. He's experiencing deep intimacy and communion with God in a way where he's not being told to do anything or go anywhere. Just stay put, enjoy, embrace the season. And then something happens. After a while, the brook dried up, but there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So God hasn't spoken to him. All we know is that in the very place where God called Elijah, the same place God provided provision, the same place God was speaking, the same place God was moving was now a dry, barren place. Something shifted. The place that I thought God had for me is no longer that place any longer. What is going on? And notice it starts by saying, after a while. Meaning, after a while, just things just started, it felt like the door was closing. It felt like this season was up. It felt like something was wrong or different, different. Or I just feel like things are getting drier. Why does it feel like things used to be good and now they're not? And I don't understand why the place that God was providing for him and growing him was all of a sudden dried up. And in my mind, I'm starting to think, okay, God, what are you doing God, God, you told me to do this and now it's changing. God, where are you? You gave me a purpose while I was here. You gave me water while I was here. Did I do something wrong? I know that's been my thought in the last week. God, did I make a mistake? God, did I lead our church wrong? Or did I say something wrong? Or God, did I not lead the church well? Why would you take this beautiful space from us? God, maybe I'm not the guy that's supposed to lead this church, God. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe this is a sign from God that I'm really not called to this. That's just my own personal journey. But maybe you're in the room today, and I don't know about you, but maybe you're just puzzled as well about, oh, my God, what is happening? My brook is drying up. This job that I put so much affection and attention on, it feels like the door is closing. 
This relationship that I've been in that I thought was God is now the door's closing and I don't understand why. Why does it feel like the door is shutting behind me and God, I got nowhere to go except this little platform outside this door. God, I don't know what else to do. I used to have this nest egg of finances and, and a retirement plan and, and now it feels like I'm having to dip into that. It's drying up, God. Or I used to trust all these good friends that I had and now it feels like they turned on me and things aren't working out like it used to. And man, I used to believe that I had a good marriage and it would last a long time. But oh my gosh, it seems like the, the, the brook of my marriage is drying up and I don't know what to do. I used to be really close to God. I used to be in this sweet season where I was close to him and I would open his word and it would feel like scripture would jump off the page at me. And now it just feels dry. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this, God? Why would you allow this to happen? Why would you allow this to happen to my life? Why would you do this to these people's life? God, what is going on in this season? And as I I personally have been through this. As you see, it's a little raw for me. I'm working this out. God, we're on a good trajectory. Why would this happen out of nowhere? And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. God showed me three things from this story. Three, three lessons we learn from experiencing closed doors. The first thing we see is this in the scripture. It says, after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon, and I've instructed a widow to feed you there. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing is this. A lesson that we learn from closed doors is our first response should be to be still and wait on God. Our first response when a door closes behind us should be to be still and to wait on God. I want you to notice something there. Elijah stayed at that brook until it dried up completely. It's been months since he'd been in this ravine. He'd been in there for a long time being fed. And can you imagine what he must have felt like day after day, recognizing that the water was beginning to dry up? Oh my gosh, I, yeah, I can live on food, but gosh, I need water. And he began to notice that there wasn't enough water as there was yesterday. And the next day there's less water. And the next day there's less water. And here's the crazy part. This is all happening because Elijah prophesied it. <laughs> He's like, dang it. <laughs> I thought you were going to protect me, God. I thought you were going to help me. Now, the water's drying up, God, and you're the one who told me to prophesy this. Makes no sense. This happened in this moment, and he stayed in that place. And I want you to know, he stayed in that place until he felt like the door was closing. And I want you to notice something. When a door is closing or the brook is drying up, we have a tendency to not wait on God. We have a tendency to go into control mode, to our mode. Oh my gosh, I don't have a job, or oh my gosh, I don't have a relationship, or oh my gosh, you know, I've got out of an unhealthy, you know, maybe a, a long-term dating relationship. I'm so lonely, I'm so broken. Instead of waiting on God to provide something for you, you get right into another unhealthy relationship. Or the job that you dreamed of ends, and now you do what you do is you go out and try to create something else and start a business and do this thing. Okay, this must be God. And you realize, no, 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 it wasn't God at all. It was your own imagination and pursuing your own endeavors. And now you spend less time with your family. And you spend less time going to church. You spend less time doing these things. And it was actually about you and not about God. What happens is, is that when a door shuts behind us, our first response is to say, don't worry, God, I got it. 
I'll figure it out, God. It's on me now. But I need you to know something. If your brook is dry, do not fear. God has not forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you are at. Look at this, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find, look at this, what kind of strength? New strength. They will soar high on the wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But you have to trust the Lord. Another translation says those who wait on the Lord. What's fascinating about this is just because a door is closed doesn't mean God has stopped speaking. Just because a door is closed doesn't mean that God is not with you. I want you to notice this. While after a while the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land, then the Lord said to Elijah. God spoke to Elijah after the door had closed. God, the door's about to close. The water's about to go. Where's your voice, God? What's going to happen now? God, it's closing, it's closing, it's closing. God, 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 it's getting smaller, smaller, smaller. And what we do is we say, okay, go. Elijah here waited. There's no rain. There's no, there's no water. It's all dry. There's nothing left. There's a closed door. What do I do now? He waited until the Lord spoke. He waited until the Lord gave him direction. He waited until the Lord opened a door. I want to tell you this from personal experience, even in this last season. You can open a pretty good door for your life, but God can open a great door. You can open a decent door, but God can do above and beyond all that you can ask or dream or imagine. The only difference between the two is your ability to fully trust in the sovereignty of God for your life. That he knows exactly what's going on in your world. He knows exactly what's happening in your life. Every day of your life has been recorded in his book. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's taking you through. And if you be still and just only know that he is God and you are not, God will blow your mind. I want you to know something. Do you notice I'm preaching this before he's blowing our minds? <laughs> I'm speaking in faith today. I'm not standing on, we're not in a building today prophesying to you about look what God did. I'm saying look what God will do. And I want you to have the same faith in your life that you might not be in the God, then the Lord said season. You might be in a, the brook dried up season. Be still. Wait on the Lord. Be still. Wait on the Lord. Be still. Wait on the Lord. Because I want you to know this is not about your next step. This is about you growing madly in love with Jesus. This isn't about your next job. This isn't about your next relationship. This isn't about your next promotion. This isn't about our next building. This isn't about our next opportunity. This is about knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords in an intimate, deep way to say, God, you are my glory. God, you are my affection. God, you are my strong tower. God, you are my help. You are my identity. I don't really care what happens next, God, because I know you got me. The only thing that matters is that, Lord, I know you better. Be still and know that he's God. Be still and know. The second thought here today, if you're taking notes, lessons from a closed door, there is always a great purpose behind every closed door. Say, I know that, Ryan. Well, you know it, but we sure don't like it. (laughs) Look what it says in the scripture. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. Look at this. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. The same God who gives water in a, t- in a time of provision can take that water away. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. God will use the provision in your life to show that he's talking to you. But he also will, he will also take things away from you to show he's talking to you. That's the part we struggle with. God, I'm okay with you opening doors. It must be God. 
Yeah, well, God also speaks from taking things away from you. God speaks by allowing you to go through a season where a door is shut or something's removed from your life or something happened that makes no sense. You say, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? He says, I have a purpose bigger than you realize. I have something for your life that you don't even see. Every time God takes something away from us, there is a greater purpose. I want you to think about this for a moment. Elijah is in the brook of Kareth all alone. He's by himself. There's no one else there. As I mentioned earlier, there's birds providing for him. Let's just take a moment and reflect on that again. Birds, guys. There's birds providing for him. I mean, that's a pretty cool miracle. Wouldn't it be pretty cool if I was like, hey, God, we love lunch today. Freshy, bring it here. Lunch comes, and we're like, boom, aha. He was alone. No one even saw this. In fact, I have a hard time believing that a, a raven fed you, bro. Maybe a sparrow. Maybe a pigeon, but like a stinking raven. I have a hard time even believing that this happened. I'm just believing it because it's in the Word. Elijah's the only one who saw this. You know, it's like one of those people, yeah, I saw an angel. Oh, sure you did. Or, you know, oh, sure you saw the, you know, the face of the triune God, you know, face to face, eye to eye. Oh, sure you did. You know, maybe you did. I don't know. It was your experience. Here's Elijah saying, oh, I saw ravens provide for me. And we're like, oh, sure you did, Elijah. He's all alone experiencing these supernatural experiences with God. God's providing for him. God's working in him. God's doing something awesome in his life, but it's only in private for Elijah. And God says, I need to take you public now. You've been in private experiencing the provision of God in your life, but now I want, I want you to notice something, that he was experiencing this in his life, but now he was sending him to Zarephath, which was the epicenter of Baal worship, where the people there had rejected Yahweh God. He says, I've proven to you that I'm truly God, but now I need to prove to everyone else that I'm truly God, and I want to use you to do it. He had to go from a private, see, this is the danger of being in a season of provision when a door shuts, we think that the good old days, they're, 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 they're the, the highlight of our life. And I loved it when things were fine and we were safe and, you know, things were just like perfect and I made enough money and we could do these things and life was great. And then God comes and shuts a door and now there's a little bit more tears and a little bit more faith and a little bit more challenge and a little bit more asking God what's going on. And man, man, man the money might not be there like it used to be and things might not be working out and you're in what's going on. It's because God has a plan and a purpose to display his glory through your life. But he doesn't just want to do it for you anymore. He wants to do it for everybody else. He wants to show everybody else what God wants to do in your life. He wants to prove his fame and his glory through your life. But he has to, he has, he has to shut the door to force you to get into a place where you can go to the epicenter of Baal worship, where you can be the only prophet that's going to stand up for the living God and walk into the place and say, hey, guess what? My God's the living God. And you'll see in a few verses, he, you know, causes a miracle of oil and he raises a boy from the dead. And then he stands up to 400 prophets of Baal and says, what's up now? My God, the, the Yahweh God, uh, here I am in the very center of the epicenter of Baal worship. You got a problem? Well, God shut the door on me, kicked me out of my blessing season in the season of Kareth where I was getting fed like a king and I was living by the provision of God and I was in intimate with God. It was all by myself and it was so warm and wonderful. And then he shut the door. Pushed me out. Why did you do this, God? Because I got a purpose for you. 
because this isn't about you anymore. This is about the lost people in the city of Calgary that need the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is about the new workplace you're going to go to that is this epicenter of secular Baal worship and you're going to be the prophet, the prophetess of God in that place. This is about that new relationship that God has for you where you, God has a plan and a purpose and a ministry for your life. There is a purpose behind every shut door. And when God shuts a door extra, extraordinarily, he's going to open a door extraordinarily. So what he does is he shuts the door because there is a greater purpose. He wants to show himself publicly. And he allows this season of a shut door for you and I to have strength and faith and courage to go to what's next. Now, in our situation, we had some folks, we had, hey, what do you think? And they said, oh, Ryan, we trust you, man. We love you, but we love Cardell. Love it here, and I love it here, too. I know I keep using our situation, but I hope this applies to your situation a little bit. You know, you say, man, I, I trust you. You're the pastor. It's going to be good, but I love it here. <laughs> Many of us never would have left Cardell if God hadn't shut the door. We just would have stayed in our comfort zone. I'm actually kind of happy having one service and just, you know, read about 150 people. It's good. All right, God. Woohoo. God has a plan for our church to reach hundreds, if not thousands of people in the city of Calgary. And if we stay put and enjoy these comfy little seats, you know, where your butts get all a massage and it's fantastic, I'm going to make us sit on concrete floors for a month. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have to recognize something, that every time God closes the door, he's got something supernatural in store for your life. So if you're looking at your life right now saying, God, what did you do? Don't be afraid and don't worry. He's got a great purpose for your life. The same God who gives the water may cause the brook to dry up, but he wants to give us the courage to take steps of faith, to have total obedience, to step into the next season that he has for us. Here's the third and last one here this morning. Closed doors force us to have faith, kind of a, from a, what I just said. Closed doors force us to have faith and expect it, the extraordinary to happen in our lives. Closed doors, they force us to have faith. Closed doors, they, 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 they cause us to expect the extraordinary to happen in our lives. What happens is, is that when you are pushed out of something or God, God causes a door to be shut. You're now in a situation where you can choose faith or fear. You can choose between those two things. Afraid of your future, afraid of the season, afraid of what's going, out, going to go on, not really looking back to what God has done so beautifully. Or you can choose to say, you know what? This season is a season of faith. I want you to see this exactly what God did in the life of Elijah. Let's read this rest of this chapter here together. It says this. So he went to Zarephath, and he arrived at the gate of the village. Notice this. And he saw a widow gathering sticks. Isn't it interesting? He walks in the door, and there's this widow. I mean, just right in front of him. He could have gone anywhere in the city, and it just so happens that the widow that God sent him to is right there. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And she was going to get it. And he called her, oh, by the way, bring me a little a muffin too, please. I need some muffins. I like muffins. Like the prophets like muffins. Bring me a, bread, buy a bite of bread too, he says. And the woman 
Hearing that, knowing that there's a, a, a global famine going on across the land, she turns and says, I swear by the Lord God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook, cook, cook this last meal and then my son and will die. So remember, he's walking in from an alone season, a quiet season, a hidden season, and he walks into the very center of people who don't believe in God, have rejected God, are worshiping Baal. He's standing in the very middle of this place. God says, I'm going to send a widow. I'm going to instruct a widow to provide for you. The widow just happens to walk up in front of him. She says, listen, basically I'm out here ready to die. I'm going to cook a meal and my son and I are going to go home and die. And Elijah's standing here and he has a choice. Am I going to stand on what God said he was going to do? Am I going to step out in faith? I learned all of these things in the careth hidden season about faith, about obedience, about surrender, that God can do the impossible, that God can do the extraordinary, that God is good even when it doesn't feel like he's good. That God is with me even when I feel alone. All of these things that God taught me in the brook of Kareth are now leading me to this moment of public ministry where I stand in the very square of the epicenter of Baal. And this woman looks at me and she says, I'm going to die. And look what Elijah says. He says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do exactly what you said. But make me some bread first. For surely as the Lord lives, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops to grow again. He looks at her and he says, you know what? No. What you're saying is not true. I speak faith in your situation. You think you're going to die. You think you've got no purpose. You think that your finances aren't going to work out. But guess what? I serve a God who does miracles. I serve a God who provides. I serve a God who does above and beyond. Are you in the room this morning? Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, I am the God. I serve a God who can do the impossible. I serve a God who heals the sick. I serve a God who restores lives. I serve a God who causes manna from heaven. I serve a God who causes money to pop in your bank account. Where did I get that money from? Someone left $5,000 cash on your front porch. God, we needed that money. I serve a God who does supernatural signs and wonders and does extraordinary things. And Elijah learned this in the season of hiding. If the door hadn't have shut, he never would have been in a position where he would have looked at this woman and said, no, 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 you're wrong. God's going to provide for you. God's going to take care of you. God's going to help you. And look what the scripture says. This woman, in obedience to God, obviously she obviously heard what Elijah said. She did it. Her family continued to eat for many days and there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. And then we come to the scripture here where we realize something happens. Elijah moves, he travels, he goes to this place. All these things happen. God does incredible miracles. But then something tragic happens. Look what it says in the scripture. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse. And finally he died. She said to Elijah, what have you done to me? Have you come here to just point out that I was a Baal worshiper? And now I'm following God. You come out to just point that out. Me, cause tragedy in my life. Elijah's standing before a, a, a broken mother. His prophecy caused the drought. His prophecy caused the, the, the food lack, the shortage. His, his ministry caused this death of this child. Here he is, she's saying, did you, why did you do this to me? See, Elijah was struggling in his faith. And Elijah was struggling in his belief. In the season of Kareth, God worked on him. And now he's in a season where he's helping someone else struggle who's facing a closed door and a loss in their life. He looks at this woman and Elijah has no idea what's going on. He says, 
Elijah said to the woman, give me your son. He took the child's body from her arms. I want you to notice something. There's not a single message of God to Elijah in this entire section. God did not give Elijah any direction in this entire scripture here. It's because Elijah had learned to have faith in God. Versus God saying, come on, son, have faith. Come on, go to the next season. Come on, go here. Come on, go there. Come on, do this. Come on. Now, it was so in him that he had so much faith because he had seen God provide in the past. God didn't even need to instruct him to do this. And what we're about to see is the first time seeing this type of miracle in all of Scripture. He says this. He took him up the stairs where he was staying. He laid the body on his bed. And Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow? Who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? He stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord. You know, I read every commentary I could find, and not a single commentator knows why Elijah did this. Maybe he was like, Okay, God, what do I do? God was silent. His son just have faith. He says, Oh, I'm going to lay on the kid and blow in his mouth. It was like the first CPR is what it was. <laughs> oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. And Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave it to his mother. He said, look, your son's alive. And the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you're a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. See, what God's wanting to do is he's wanting to take us through a season. He took us through a season as a church for five and a half years, and Maybe in your life, whatever season you've been in where God's been blessing you, but what he was doing, he was trying to show you his faithfulness. He was trying to show you his provision. He was trying to show you how good he is. He was trying to show you that God does miracles. He was trying to show you that he didn't just, you're not just here today because you're smart. You're here today because God led you here. The Holy Spirit brought you to a place like this. God brought you into the house of God. He brought you into a season of hell. He brought you into these seasons. And he did that so that one day he can push you into a place, force you really into a place where you can say, okay, God, I have to rely upon you. God, I'm facing a financial challenge here. Would you meet the need? And he met the need. God, would you bring healing to a boy who's, who's sick and bring him to life? God brings him to life. God wants to use you and I in the public square in a place where no one believes in God to prove that truly we are men and women of God and that the Lord truly speaks through us and that we are the church of Jesus Christ and we're going to reach lost people and make disciples and see miracles and lives change and he wants to do the same thing in your life he wants to do the same thing through you through whatever you're facing in your life he wants to use you for great things not just to be a, a happy person and not just to be blessed to be a minister for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go among people who are broken and hurting and say God can provide for you. God loves you. To go among people who don't believe in God or hate God or who've had bad experiences with God or even more worse, church. And say to them that I serve a God who loves you and he believes in you, created you and he's a plan for you. And the Bible teaches me that he just wants to be in a reconciled relationship with you. And guess what? He can heal your body and he can heal your mind and he can heal your marriage and he can heal your finances and he can transform your life so that you live an abundant life on this earth. And guess what? One day when you die, you will never die and you'll spend an eternity with Jesus Christ forever. That's why we're here no matter what we're facing, whether we're a church or in your individual life. We are here to display the glory of God to the city of Calgary, to display the glory of God to our families display the glory of God and to do that he has to force you out of your comfort zone to push you out of where you are he knows you hate it he knows you'll like it but he's going to do a miracle through it he's got a plan for your life and he's got a plan for our church amen come on we're going to end our time together by singing a song why don't you stand to your feet I want to pray for you today
Come on, you're in the room today, and you just are in a two questions today. You're in a a season of closed door season in your life right now, and you've been facing a hard time. And I want to pray for you first. And secondly, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Him. Well, you know, our, our our God wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He created you and He formed you. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just close your eyes for a few minutes. I'm just going to do this. just want to make sure that um, people in the room can raise their hands if they want without, I don't like everyone staring at them. When you're in the room today, you say, Ryan, I just need some prayer. I'm in a closed-door season, and this encouraged me today, but I just need some prayer. Why don't you just put your hand in the air just so I can see it real high. There you go. Come on, anybody else in the room today? Come on, just in a season where you just need some prayer. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you. Come on, anybody else? All right, second question. You're here in the room today, and you say, Ryan, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I don't have one, and I'd like to start one today. You'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and your Savior and start a relationship with God today. Would you just put your hand in the air real quick so I can see it? Anybody in the room? If you're online today, just go ahead and make the comments there. Just say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. And we've got some folks online there who want to talk with you. Amen. Father, we just want to say thank you for today. Lord, thank you that you're with us, God. Even when doors close, God, you're with us. You're helping us in this next season. I pray for these people, God, who are in a closed-door season. God, would you be there present with them, Lord, as they wait on you. Lord, would you give them peace? Lord, would they increase your intimacy with them? Lord, help them know you better. Lord, we pray that there would be a great miracle in their life in this season. For those who have accepted you today, God, we pray, Lord, they would start a journey with you. They'd make a confession of faith with their mouth and with their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they would start a new relationship with you today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said, amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.